Welcome to All About the Benefits. This show is dedicated to helping you better understand the world of benefits so that you can better serve those that serve you. And now, here's your host, Lori Jewett. All right, you guys, welcome back. Super excited to have you tune in for another week. Today, I am with Dr. Nicole Coyle. Um, I Her um, list of accommodations, that's not right, but awesomeness is um, she's a breathwork specialist. I'm going to let you do all the intro. So I said, I'm like, I'm going to look, but I'm going to mess it all up. But I know you do a lot of awesome things and um, can give a lot of value. So please introduce yourself. Let us know um, a little bit about what you do. And I know you help a lot of people. So how how does that work? Yeah, thank you so much for having me first and foremost. It's a pleasure. And uh, yeah, I am uh, Dr. Nicole Coyle. I am a... Um, trauma psychologist, trauma specialist. Um, And so I counsel and do therapy for people who've had PTSD, um, anxiety, depression, uh, and major trauma. Um, I also created a program called Thrive that's a breath work and somatic techniques, somatic meaning to to involve the body, um, to get trauma out of the body and heal, create permanent healing, trying to get to the root cause. Um, and I've been doing that for the last 20 years, uh, but the Thrive program itself, I've been teaching for 20 years. The Thrive program itself is is kind of new in the last couple of years. I used myself as a guinea pig for a long time, So, um, and I had a wellness center based on it, so the wellness center closed last year, so now um, we kind of took all of what we learned there and are creating online programs for it, so yeah. Well, and that's awesome that you can move it online because you can help more people. And yeah, you know. that was, yeah, that was always the plan. It just became like, how do you do it? How do you have a whole center focused around it and do it online? It was a lot. So the center kind of closed because we were only helping the community that surrounds it. Right. So and uh, nobody really knew who we were, what we did. And and it closed not because we wanted it to it just circumstantial, but um, and it gave us this opportunity to just kind of like then move it out into the world. And like you said, help more people, which is the goal anyway. So, and and I love that. So I am kind of ignorant about the whole thing as far as like breath work. I think it's super funny because when you and I were messaging originally about having you on um, that same night, my husband like woke me up because I, I forget to breathe. Even if I'm like awake or I have like, it's awful. And so I bought this little I really liked their Facebook marketing and Komosu. Blowing it. Yep. I know it. I I tried to find it before I came in here so I could ask. I'm like, I need somebody to train me. I don't know how to use the darn thing. Their videos confuse me. Um, But I I personally, so I know a lot of other people, especially, you know, we were talking before we hit record about ADHD. And I know a lot of us with ADHD need to learn breath work and the importance of it and how to do it. Because I literally forget to breathe. So there's no telling the damage that's doing to all of me. (laughs) Well, well, forgetting to breathe, like just like holding your breath a lot and and not breathing like in a consistent rhythm uh, or frequency will just, um, you know, create brain fog and memory issues and things like that. Um, It will also create exhaustion in the body, um, lack of energy, willpower, drive. But ADHD, um, it happens with ADHD is because your mind's moving like a thousand miles a minute in 12 different directions all the time. So breathing that comes natural to 
like humans, right? But in ADHD brain, the brain is trying to focus on something. And so because the breath is the thing that keeps the entire body going, it will shut it off for a moment so that the brain can catch a thought, right? So that's what happens in an ADHD brain. The little tool that you have, <clears throat> you have it's it was created to extend your exhale. That's all it. So when we extend our exhale, meaning if I inhale and it takes me four seconds to do a complete inhale, then I want to at least add two more seconds, if not double my inhale to my exhale. So I want my exhale to be at least twice as long as my inhale. That little tool helps you to calm the brain down by blowing in it and trying to extend your exhale for as long as you can. Because when you extend your exhale, that's when healing occurs in the brain. And that's when everything gets regulated again in an extended exhale. Interesting. So I, when you're saying that, I'm thinking, of course, like you say, my brain's going a mile, a mile a minute. Um, I did some, I did therapy. And whenever I was doing therapy, we stopped mid COVID because I virtual was really hard for me. I got super distracted and we were doing EMDR. You can't really do that virtual. Well, I couldn't. Um, But one of the things that she worked with me on is I think it was four, seven, eight. Yep. Breathing. And then I do, I have a a med a guided meditation that also uses the four, seven, eight. So that's something I I need to get conscious about. Yeah. The four, seven, eight breath is like the first thing we'll teach to anybody with anxiety or an overactive brain. Right. So um, you inhale for four counts, hold it for seven, and then exhale for eight. Um, there's another one that um, I do teach, and it's called um, two to one, meaning like if I take an eight-second inhale, then I'm going to try and extend my exhale for 16 counts, right? I'm going to double whatever my inhale is, and you work your way up. So the, Because the longer your exhalation, the more control you have over your own mind is basically the theory. When you don't breathe and you hold your breath in, the brain thinks you're in survival, just so you know. And so you go into fight or flight and you go into survival mode, which means like all non-essential functions in the body shut down, meaning digestion, sex drive, like um, brain function too, because you just need to survive at the moment. So when you have a constant habit of holding your breath, um, you're constantly in fight or flight, which is there's too much cortisol in your body, gain weight too quickly. Um, you don't sleep. It disrupts your sleep cycle. Um, but you have a dysregulated nervous system, right? You're always on edge. And so like the holding the breath is like the most detrimental for your nervous system um, because you're in fight or flight. And everything you just said makes total sense. As you're saying that I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I had no idea that was like, because everyone, I'm not real consistent with the meditation and breath work. I'll do it whenever I, you know, but I need to be because I think I would sleep better. Um. Yeah. Yeah. The sleeping thing is pertinent, right? Because if you don't get enough sleep, then your brain doesn't have the chance to recover from the day. Also, um, the, the, the nervous system doesn't have a chance to regulate. Um, if you're in a constant fight or flight and you're up and you're not sleeping, the nervous system doesn't shut down, never goes into parasympathetic which is that rest and restore nervous system. It's always in your sympathetic, which is that fight or flight. The best thing to do before you sleep. Uh, do you want a trick? I'll give you yeah, a Yeah, absolutely. The best thing, it'll take you like two minutes. Um, you can do it lying on your bed. The best thing to do is called, it's called buzzing bee breath. And it's literally humming. All you do is hum. You take like a really big inhale through your nose. 
as much as you can get. And then you hum while you try to slightly smile. For as long as your exhale, will, as long as you can hum before you run out of breath. When you run out of breath, that's the time to end the hum. You inhale, you do it again. You do it up to 11 times, no more than 11 times. You can do it three, five, seven, nine, eleven. 11. Do it an odd number of times. Um, and then up to 11. 11 times will take you two minutes. So all it is, and it forces you to extend your exhale. It's the same as that four, seven, eight uh, extending exhale. But the humming is um, creating a vibratory frequency in the upper palate of your mouth that sends a signal to pituitary gland, that sends a signal to the rest of the brain to shut down. Literally, it's it's putting you immediately into parasympathetic, which is your rest and restore, and you'll fall asleep really quickly after that. Oh, that's what I need. Love that. Yeah, you can also use it for the day, like when your mind is like going a mile a minute and you need to focus, you can hum to refocus again. Because what it does is again, it'll signal to the pituitary gland, pineal gland, brain that like like okay something needs to regulate here the humming is just a regulate regulating sound for your vagus nerve and your vagus nerve is not toned or regulated when you're in uh adhd brain or when you can't sleep so very interesting see you might have just taught me my new uh get out of survival <laughs> mode because I, I i catch myself doing that all the time it's yeah. the, the holding my breath and I don't realize it. And my husband will like smack my arm and be like, breathe. Like, oh, I didn't even know I was doing it. Yeah. Hum, just hum throughout the day. Like I tell people just start humming throughout the day. Like just, just doesn't matter. You don't have to do it a set amount of times. Just start to hum. And what that does is it'll start to create this regulation in your nervous system where your nervous system gets used to the feeling of being regulated. And the humming will again force the extended exhale and then it will come more naturally. Then your breath will start to regulate itself. And you won't like hold your breath as much. Yeah. Interesting. See, and now I now know how to use the Kamosu thing, my little device. Yeah, it's just for an extended exhale. Yet you just, because the longer you exhale, the more anxiety you let go of. That's what it was created for. Yeah. Huh. I just bought it because I loved their responses to that. They, they responded to every single comment, oh, yeah. the negative, the positive, and They're with very company, actually, yeah. with very well-educated answers. None of the, even yeah. the, like the, you know, quote unquote haters, they yeah. had a very well-educated answer for them. And one of them, I think that really just hit me was, yes, you can use a straw if that works for you, please do it. As long as you're doing something to regulate right. your breathing. And I'm like, I love that. Take yeah. my money. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're a great company. They're actually a lot of therapists that I know as well, breathwork therapists, specialists. Um, they also like um, will carry their stuff in their offices because they, it really is a useful tool, especially for people who are new to breathwork. Can be overwhelming and daunting, like you said, and and like it's hard to get into a regular routine of it. But in my opinion, anybody who teaches breathwork will tell you it's it should be simple. It should never be overcomplicated, and it shouldn't take you hours. It should take you minutes every day, just do one thing for three minutes. That's where I start with everybody. It's three minutes a day. That's all I ask of you, not 30 minutes. <laughs> well, that's a lot to ask, especially in, I mean, with yeah. my brain, you tell me yeah. 30 minutes and I'm already overcomplicating it. Right, right. For three minutes. Yeah. I'm like, I can do a buzzing big breath for two minutes before bed. Like, and not even, you don't even have to do it for two minutes. I say three times is like, you know, what, 15 seconds. If you've got like, 
depending on your breath, right? It could be 30 seconds, depending on somebody else's breath capacity, but it, it doesn't even have to be two minutes. It's like, okay, just do it three times tonight and see what happens. Just, you know, let me know if you feel calmer before you go to sleep, you know? Yeah. Should never be complicated. <laughs> well, and I think mental health in general, we tend to overcomplicate, right? We Very think nice. it's going to be way harder than, than it is and put it off. I put off therapy for forever and yeah. You know, I've done therapy, I've done, you know, NLP and, you know, all the, all the things that I overcomplicated them before I actually committed and did them. And yeah. really the only one of them that I felt thought was a little complicated for me was the EMDR. EMDR can feel complicated. Absolutely. Especially, especially for ADHD. Yeah. Um, absolutely. You know, it's very effective. Um, and, and, and it helps some people and it doesn't help other people. It's like, like everything in mental health is not a one size fits all. You definitely have to start testing things out to see what works for you, what Mm -hmm. you respond to, you know, for somebody that's had trauma, like very like horrific PTSD, then EMDR is the thing. I would say, yes, absolutely. It worked great for me until we had to go virtual and I just, I couldn't, it was, it was, we were going great. And it's so funny. The, um, to this day, the, um, oh, I can't remember what she called it, but you know, when we're done, yeah. the, the, like the process and visualization that takes me out of it. Every single time I hear Coldplay Paradise, I automatically get calm. Like my husband will literally, if I'm super anxious or he knows I'm going to be super anxious about a meeting or something, he'll text me that song because it automatically just like, even thinking about it, I'm not listening to it, but thinking about it, my shoulders are just like, oh. Did she use that in your session? She didn't. So she had me think about it. She said, I want you to oh, think about, awesome. so we didn't actually play the song, but she had me think about yeah. my happy place. Oh, and okay. Great. My happy place was my parents' place, my parents' house in Costa Rica. And she said, okay, yeah. so tell me what you're hearing. And I said, I'm hearing Coldplay Paradise in the background. I hear the monkeys playing in the trees oh, and the awesome. toucans. And so now anytime when we went to Costa Rica over the summer, yeah, I think this summer and Every time I would hear the monkeys or the toucans, it was like an instant. So EMDR did a lot for me. I just, I wish that, and my therapist is over an hour away. So it was kind of hard to, to justify, you know, keep doing it, but it was super helpful. I just put it off for way too long because I thought it was going to be more complicated than it really was. Yeah, especially, okay, so like when we have any mental health thing or anything happening with our brain, our brain tends to want to keep us safe. That's its primary job (laughs) is to keep us safe. So when we have an issue like ADHD, let's say Asperger's, autism, uh, depression, anxiety, any of those things, PTSD, the brain will convince you that it's going to be really, really complicated because it doesn't want you to have to go and like be one vulnerable, be two, like maybe it doesn't work, maybe it doesn't help. And there's like all all these stories the brain tells us, which keep us in a place of like, well, maybe it's not going to, maybe I don't need to like, and all of these justifications happen, but it's really our brain trying to keep us safe. And it just takes us to do it one time to like repattern the brain and convince the brain then that like, see, it does work. Like maybe not all the time, but it does this time. And then we create a new pattern, but I'm the same as you. Um, I, you know, I've battled depression, anxiety, and I have OCD, um, like diagnosed OCD and I've had it since I was a kid. So, um, my brain is always trying to convince me of ways to keep me safe. And they're really false um, stories, but it's why I got into this because I was looking for alternative therapy for myself. 
um, talk therapy wasn't really working um, a whole hell of a lot for me and medication made me feel worse. So I was trying to find something because this is not what I started off in as a career. Um, I was a fashion designer before this. So, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's always our brain trying to keep us safe. We, we just remember that, right? We do overcomplicate a lot in life. Yeah, especially when it comes to receiving help. I also think people then decide, they may think, what would I be like without this? <laughs> I've had to, I've had it my whole life. What would life be without it? And it becomes a scary thing instead of like a good thing, you know, like this is part of me. Like, so like, what do I do without it? I only know this. Mm -hmm. And that can become very fear filled for a brain too. So yeah, it's resistant. Well, and I think going along with that, you know, our brains tend to tell us, or we can tend to think however you want to, you know, phrase it, that you know, breath work, mental health, those are all relatively, you know, new and, and can be scary words, right? Whatever, like neuro-linguistic programming. The first time I heard that, I was like, oh, that's woo-woo. Well, it changed yeah. my life. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, not so woo-woo or if it's, well, give it to me because it, you know, it helped a lot, yeah. it, you know, changed, yeah. you know, everything for me. Yeah. And, but the same thing with like, EMDR and you know breath work I think that could I think I could get a lot out of it but there's a, a stigma or a fear I think sometimes absolutely. absolutely well there's a stigma with anything that has to do with mental health right like anything we're so afraid um that if we say we we, we struggle or battle with these issues that we're going to be judged we're going to be thought less than we're going to be thought of as incapable um, you know, maybe if you're a leader in your um, business or your area of expertise, you'll be thought of less an expert if somebody finds out, right? Like there's all of these fears. The reality is, is that there isn't one human being on the planet at the moment that doesn't know somebody suffering from a mental health issue, if not themselves. So there is really no stigma because it's nothing that anyone did wrong. It just is. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Exactly. It yeah. Is. It's just something that happened in the brain and it's just something that either you were born with or trauma created. And so it, there's nothing to be ashamed of. And like you said, stigma. The problem too with alternative therapy is that they have been given a label of woo-woo by traditional medical um, professionals or you know medical associations. And because they aren't they don't know much about them. And instead of doing research and educating themselves on it, they just say, well, it's alternative, right? Like holistic and anything alternative and holistic is put in this woo woo box, <laughs> um, yeah. which by the way, I cannot stand. It's like my pet peeve is that phrase. So, but breath work, like you came into the world and your first thing you did was somebody slapped you on the ass so that you would breathe. <laughs> like it's the first thing that happened. It's necessary. It is vital to your survival and it has a rhythm and a function outside of just keeping your body alive. And it's been studied for thousands of years. So why is it considered woo-woo would be my, you know, like neuro-linguistic programming. There's science behind the way that you speak, the way that you speak to yourself, the way that you speak to other people, programming your brain through your speech. So like, it's not really woo-woo. There's a lot of science backed behind it. You know, and I know that even that is like a term these days that's like, oh, science back. But there is a lot of science that says it is very, very efficient um, as a treatment for reprogramming brain. And, you know, and and my thing is like, if it's woo-woo, so what? Did anything else work up until this point? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, do you know, like, did everything work up until this point? No, you're still struggling. So why not try it? You know, exactly. That's how I get most of my people, by the way, is they've tried right. everything, every option. And there, somebody says, really, you should try Dr. Nicole. And they're like, I don't know the breath work thing. And then they like get desperate, you know? So it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. But like, wouldn't you rather start before you get desperate? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Why, why do we, you know, this, and this is something I've never talked about on here. It is in my book. that's about to come out, but um, I say about to come out. Hillary, if Hillary listens to this, she's probably like, uh-huh, it was supposed to about to come out six months ago. I'm like, you know what? Don't you worry about that. Everything it is so hard. In um, divine timing is when I say, right time. Well, and the funny thing about it is I, so I just came up with what my last chapter is going to be about. And had I not put it off, it wouldn't have come full circle. And so I'm, I'm like, see, did it on purpose. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. procrastination and ADHD brain. Um, but, but, but but reframe it for a moment because it could be ADHD brain, but ADHD brain also knows what's best for you sometimes. Yeah. Oh, I like that reframing. <laughs> it's been dealing with you your whole life. It does know sometimes that you might need more time. So it's not always our enemy. It sometimes is our best friend, right? So it's just a reframe of how you think, I think. But anyway, I'm sorry I, to cut you up. No, you didn't. Oh, I love that. I'm writing that down. Um <laughs> And it goes back to how we speak to ourselves, right? If we look at it that way, if we're not, let's not look at it as a deficit. This is my brain knew knew what I needed, but right. So, you know, one of the things then when I was a teenager, I went through some major mental health issues. Um, lost my grandfather when I was 15. Um, several chapters in my book are about that and the process that I went through. And, you know, I went to this, I went to a psychologist, psychiatrist can write prescriptions, right? That's right. Okay. I went to a psychologist. Didn't really help much. The only thing I remember about all of that was the, like the trauma of the, this man. And I was 15. He had a, um, a, like ceramic beta fish in his office. And not long before that, my beta fish had disappeared and I found it in a drawer dead. And I'm like, so every time I went in his office, all I could think about is focus on them. Like, Oh, I would get sad oh. about the beta fish. And now I realize that was my brain, my ADHD. Yeah. Cause it was like, I would focus on the stupid fish. And so I, I don't really know, maybe I did get something out of it, but Sure. Then not long after that, I went to a psychiatrist and it was a husband and wife combo. The wife did like meditation type stuff and the husband wrote prescriptions. And it was all about getting the meds and buying her CDs. That was, that was literally it. Um, and so I had several misdiagnoses. I was misdiagnosed as bipolar. Try getting that off your medical history. Um, yeah, you know, or them putting you on lithium, which can be detrimental if you don't have bipolar. They so the things that they put me on um, led to a you know a suicide attempt as a teenager <laughs> when I was nineteen, um, and it was all I look back and I'm like I'm sure that all this happened because I so I could learn from it and maybe you know help somebody else in the future. But if I wouldn't, you know, I was young, but if I or somebody around me would have known more about the yeah. not so mainstream and I'm using air quotes, but yeah, yeah. the different options. Like if I could, I could have avoid the, you know, I can't even think of the names of the medications they put me on. They put me on so many things and then I would have, I would need another medication because of that medication. And then that would cause issues. So <laughs> by the time it was all said and done, it was like, I was 19 years old with a medical cocktail. You know, yeah. Like a, a cup full of pills every day that caused all sorts of issues and mm-hmm. come to find out, Really the only, I mean, I have depression and, you know, anxiety, 
but I haven't had issues with the depression since I started treating the root cause and understood why I'm different, that my brain works differently Um, and kind of how to cope with those things a little bit more. So I think if more of us would try those things, and if Wiley's listening to this, he's like, we don't use the word try, but attempt, you know, those, those different solutions and methods before, and I'm, I'm not against medication. I'm on medication for my ADHD. I eventually, I mean, I I normally don't take it on the week. Yeah. I don't really, I don't take it on the weekends. I take it when I need it. But um, just as like, I'm not a medical professional. Don't do that unless you talk to your daughter, doctor first, because there are medications you can't do that with. (laughs) But I just, I feel like, and again, I, maybe it all happened for a reason and that I can, you know, help and educate people. But had we tried breath work or NLP or, you know, a, a, different type of therapy other than the here let me give you a pill and do some meditation on you yeah. know by yourself yeah um i i think it would have helped so i hope that more people will you know whether it be through you or whoever reach out and at least learn about the different options that are out there yeah see um what i, I just told somebody the other day the problem it's not a problem. I suppose the issue with traditional, like you say, air quote, traditional therapy is, is that um, we think we can just write a prescription or talk it out, right? So the difference is, is that especially if you've had trauma, like obviously that was traumatic for you when you lost your grandfather at 15 and it caused a slew of things to happen. Um, Trauma never leaves the body. (laughs) If you write a prescription, you're just masking the symptoms, right? If you, if you just, start talking about it. My thing with talk therapy, it has its place. Do not get me wrong. And I still do it with people. I need to, I need you to talk about it until you don't want to anymore. And that's fine for me. My problem is though, that if you're going to talk therapy for 15 years, you're just reaffirming the shit that's happened to you. So now it's like, I'm going to say this and I have full, please know everybody. I have full respect for the 12 steps and AA and all of the um, anonymous program. However, if you show up to a meeting for 30 years of your life and every day you say, hi, I'm Nicole, I'm an addict. You're reaffirming you're an addict every single day. Now you've been sober for 30 years. Wouldn't it be better to reframe and say, hi, I'm Nicole. And I used to struggle with addiction. And I'm trying to stay clean. I'm I'm staying clean today. Like, you know what I mean? Some different kind of saying instead of I'm an addict, I'm an addict. So if I'm going to therapy all the time and I'm saying like, I'm a full open book. So please know anything I say, anybody can talk about and use. When I was 17, I was raped. So like, but if I stand around all day and like talk about when I was 17, I was raped. Not 17, mm-hmm. It's affirming and it's just like re-traumatizing the brain because you're reliving the emotional Potions of that of that um, situation, you'll always feel the feelings. And wouldn't it be better to get the feeling out of your body, and then you can talk about it and have no trigger? Like you could talk about it with no charge. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so absolutely. Like what I do, what EMDR does, like NLP, same thing. Is it's a it's considered somatic techniques. It's like EFT. Have you ever heard of EFT? It's the mm-hmm. tapping. We tap on certain parts of the body. We do breath work. We do NLP. We do EMDR to get the trauma out of the body, meaning the response that the brain and the body created in the original trauma, meaning what emotions did I feel? What sounds did I hear? What smells were around? That all sticks. If it doesn't get out of the body, you can be re-triggered your whole life, and it could be just somebody saying something the wrong way. So 
traditional therapy and medication just mask that. They never go to that root cause. They never get it out of a body, which is why you need more medication, which is why you need more talk therapy, which is why my job as a therapist is I don't want to see you for the rest of my life. I love you. I'm always here as a support system, but I don't want to see you like for the rest of your life. I'm hoping that it only takes us a year. That would be a long time for me with a, with a patient, right? Like I've worked with patients and within three months, they're, oh my God, I feel so different. Can I just call you when I, yeah, call me when you need to. That for me is progress. Not that I'm reliant. I don't want to, anybody to become reliant on me. So I really hope that people start reaching out. I think that's why, you know, some of us talk about it all the time. If you read my post, I'm talking about it all the time. And I talk about it as myself going through it because I don't want there to be a stigma. Like I'm a therapist. I still go through shit. Do you know what I mean? Like, And I love your transparency on everything that you go through. It's always transparent and that exactly that you're a therapist and you still go through things. Yeah, because we're human, right? We're human. What I said to somebody that day is you will never be completely quote unquote healed. Stop striving for that. You're human. So every day something new will happen to you. You can't control life. You know, I didn't know what would happen this year. And it's been a stellar year. Believe me, there's been more loss in my family, but it's going to be that way. I'm going to lose somebody else in the future. I can't stop it. Do you know what I mean? So I'm human. So I will always have to deal with what comes up. So I'm never completely healed, but can you heal something in the past? So it doesn't interfere with your current daily life is that should be the goal, you know, not completely healed, just what do I need to take care of now that's interrupting my life and my progress and my production? Can I take care of that right now? And then move on, you know, Mm -hmm. one thing at a time. Yeah. You know, something that you said really stuck out to me that I want to kind of focus on that I think is really cool is you don't have just one type of therapy that it's not, um, you know, one bandaid fixes all you, you, talk to people and work with them and figure out what is best for them. And I think that's incredibly important because a lot of times we talk to people, whether it's, I mean, anything in life, really, like even in, you know, my world insurance, you got your people that are whole life is the only way to go and your term life are the only way to go. When in all reality, I'm kind of in the middle, I'm like a combination, but you have therapists or medical professionals that are medications, the only way to go or EMDR or, you know, traditional therapy, whatever it is. I think it's really cool that you embrace different types of it and figure out what is right for that person, because it may be a combination of things for that person, not just one or two or. That's right. Even breathwork. Breathwork's not the answer for everybody. I'm the first one to say that. And I would swear by breathwork because it changed my life 25 years ago. It is what got me healthy, but I'm, it is not the answer for everybody. Just like EMDR, just like NLP, just like EFT, just like TRE, all the alternative treatments. But there is a combination that works for people. And my job, if I'm going to be the best I can be at it and compassionate and educated, then I need to find what works best for each person and treat them individually. You know, therapy isn't, like I said, one size fits all. That's why medication doesn't work a lot. Everybody says, oh, this is the best antidepressant ever. Well, it may be for that person, but not for this person because they're their makeup, their physiological makeup is different than the other person. Their brain is different than the other person. It does not work for them. You know, I have a 
family member that's struggling right now to find the right therapist because all they want to do is prescribe this shit that doesn't work for them. And they keep advocating for themselves and like keep trying to find the right one. And they're all telling this person that they're just, you need to get on it. He's like, it doesn't work. Like just, I need to find something else. And he's like, no one's listening to me. And I'm like, welcome to the mental health world. No one listens to the patient and they don't listen to the patient because there's a stigma that your brain is broken and you don't know better. I do. And mm-hmm. so, but that's not how I operate. I think you know better than I do because you've been dealing with yourself your whole life. So I should listen to you. Do you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I, the more we talk about it, we're going to have to get on a call, not on while we're recording. Cause I would love to, I think breathwork could be the answer for me, but only because I have worked through the other things and they have helped. So I'm, I mean, not only because, but that's why I'm thinking, okay, I've done this and it got me this far. You know, the EMDR got me to here. The NLP got me from there to here. I, for, for me, maybe that's the way I'm looking at it for my, I know, you know, my experience and I'm thinking, yeah. you know, we we're human. We make mistakes, right? When I was doing um, yoga and meditating before bed every night, I was sleeping better. I haven't done it in like a year. Why? I don't know. Because I, until we were talking about it, I forgot about the four, seven, eight. <laughs> but I mean, I, I know that that helped me. And I know that that may be because it is, I mean, people that don't know me probably think that I'm like dying all the time because I, when I hold my breath, it can get scary because then I'll <gasps> like take a big, you know, a big exhale or inhale and exhale. And they're like, yeah. what is happening? I was like, oh, sorry. That's just how I breathe. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's not weird. It's just how it is. Do you know what it is? Just how it is for you. And it, mm-hmm. it's how it is for a lot of people with ADHD. It's also how it is for people with severe autism. They hold their breath all the time. Really? Right. Yes. And so it can be, you can retrain your brain. It just takes a little while. And, and like you said, I love what you said about this took me this far. This took me this far. And then you just keep finding the thing that takes you further and further. And when that doesn't work, you find the new thing, right? That's what happens. That's what breathwork led me to EFT. EFT led me to TRE. TRE led me. And that's how I go. And now I'm like, well, they all worked. So I should get certified in all of them and use them all because, right? Because they all yeah. work. We don't know what's going to work for a human. Could be somebody may just need to vent for an hour and they feel better and, and they need a safe space. That's great. I'm there. And then if you need something else, I'm there too. But it is. I think it has to all the whole world of mental health has to start being thought of differently and not as there's something broken in a person, Mm -hmm. but just that the brain operates in a different way and it just needs the right tools for it to operate optimally. Right. It's not broken. I say that to people all the time. (laughs) I'm not broken. You don't need to fix me. Um, I know it looks scary when I go through a, B and C. However, I have been dealing with myself for my whole life. And I know what works for this brain. And I know it doesn't seem like it would for you, right? But it does for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just what has to be thought of. Even if you have family members who have mental health stuff, like listen to them, stop giving them unsolicited advice. Stop telling them to go outside and look up. I, and that doesn't work for everybody. It works for some people, right? And it might work one time and it doesn't work the next time. I was going to say, I was about to say something to that effect of, Sometimes it, it well, sometimes might, looking up works. Most of the time it just makes the neck hurt, but <laughs> right. And sometimes it doesn't, right? Again, because it's not a one size fits all, because today's 
as talking about myself, today's depressive episode is not last month. Do you know what I'm saying? Today's is this. Last month was that. Last month, looking up and going out in the sun worked. This time it didn't. You know, I had to like surrender and stay in bed or what, you know, whatever. Um, and it's always going to be different. I think that's why having as many tools in your toolbox as possible is like the best thing you can do for yourself. Even if you never use it, you know, you have it. And then when it's something happens, you're like, let me see what works this time. Let me just start pulling them out, mm-hmm. you know? So, so I think I wish that more professionals would kind of embrace that because what I needed and I was never able to really to get it from my therapist. And the reason that I, one of the reasons I kind of stopped the EMDR, I need that 45 minutes of just talk it out really just, and she would just, I think it kind of blew her mind because I would just like word vomit everything that happened to that week and talk through it and and come to realizations on my own. But she was new to EMDR and I love her. She was amazing. I, she literally helped change my life, but um, she was new to EMDR. So I was a guinea pig. So she wanted that EMDR time. So she would rush me through the talking to get to it. So I even asked at one point if we could start doing two hour sessions and that kind of just went in one ear and out the other. But for me, an hour and a half or two hour session would have been what I needed because I needed to get all that out before I could do the EMDR. Yeah. Sometimes it was great things. Sometimes it was, this is all the amazing, all the amazing things that happened. Sometimes it was, you know, just that talk time. But I also needed the everything else after that. Sure. And it was kind of a like, okay, well, you can talk for 10 minutes, but then we have to do this because yeah, I need these hours for my training or whatever it was. <laughs> and hearing you talk about it, right? So for me, it made complete sense. You need to come in and do a total brain dump so that then we can do that this EMDR therapy because then it will stick better. You ain't got nothing in your brain left to hang on to, mm-hmm. right? You dumped it all. There's no thought that you're going to cling to now. And now we can get there. Yeah. So it makes total sense. And just hearing you say that I'm flashing back and I did, there was always something that I I was still on that I hadn't dumped out yet when we got to that point. So yeah, because you didn't have a full brain dump and you, your brain needs to fully dump. By the way, I have two therapists of my own (laughs) and I'm like you. So I need to, you need to give me at least 30 minutes to like literally dump how I'm feeling, what happened, how it, you know what I mean? What triggered me, all of it. And then we can go and do whatever you're going to do that you think will help. But if I don't, my mind will just, and I won't hear a word you say. And that's just me being honest, right? So mm-hmm. so I do go to a therapist that's like me. A lot of tools in the tool belt, lets me dump, and then does the thing. you know. And, and every time the thing is different, it might be EMDR, it might be visualization, it might be a meditation, it might be just listening to a sound frequency, right? Like it's always something new. That's why I love her is because it took me a long time to find somebody that was, you know, like me and Mm -hmm. who believed in like having all of that available. Um, And, you know, I stick with her because she, she helps and she's always listening, you know? So, yeah. I love that you are, that you're a therapist that talks about having more than one therapist because I have an arsenal. Well, and (laughs) that makes you, I mean, it makes you relatable, right? Because, well, if you understand yeah. in my eyes, that's, I'm like, Oh, that's so that's awesome. Because you're not trying to sit here and say, like some people do of, you know, I'm the best at everything and I'm, I don't need help. And, you know, let me help you because I'm perfect at all these things. And I love that. Let me, let me help you. Cause I've walked it. That's my motto. Let me help you because when I say, I know how you feel, I actually know how you feel. 
I've been there. I walk it. It's part of my daily life. I also come from a family that has a lot of mental health issues, um, bipolar, schizophrenia, like anxiety disorders, OCD. I mean, it, it's all in my both sides of my family. Um, and so I literally um, can talk about all of them. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm an expert in all of them because I don't have all of them, right? You can only study so much of something. Um, but the more that you study or the more that you go through, I think it makes you a better therapist. I think it, you're more empathetic. You're more understanding. You have more compassion for the person. Um, makes me a better listener, you know. And I don't, I don't know. You know, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if you can just be an expert by just studying all the time. <laughs> I don't, and I don't say I'm an expert. I just, I'm good at what I do and I'm good at what I do because of who I am and what I walk through every day. And I think that I'm proud of that. You know, some people, I have therapists who write me and say, it's, it's very, um, you know, goes against the grain too much to talk about my own mental health issues and you're doing yourself a disservice to your patients. It's like, yeah, well, then they're not my people or my patients, are they? Because I am not perfect. Like, you know, full disclosure, I had to skip Christmas. I stayed in bed for 36 hours. I mean, that's, I'm up today for the first time in three days. And that's me being honest because it was too much and I just needed to shut the world out for a couple of days. And that's what I do every once in a while, you know, but does it make me a bad therapist? No, it makes me a relatable therapist, like you said. And if you wanted to shut the world out for a couple of days, I would understand. I'd say, did it make you feel better after two days? Yes. Do I want you to stay in bed for your whole life? No. Okay. <laughs> but like, you know, like, I think that yeah. if you need to for a couple of days, then I'm all behind it. So I do, I use my life as the teaching ground because I want people to understand that no matter how perfect your life looks from the outside, everybody, everybody struggles with something. We're all struggling with something. Well, can you imagine being a therapist or anybody really that needed, you know, 36 hours in bed, but then didn't, wasn't upfront about that and telling other people what they need to do, knowing what you had to go through. And there are people out there that, do not yes. do not preach their truth. They they have their behind the scenes yeah. and then they're everything's perfect. My mental health is great. Right. So let me help you with yours. Yeah, because they've been convinced to be the expert in their field that they need to seem like the in let's say in the psychological world, they need to be or seem like the perfect psychological human, right? Like I have perfect psychological function. I don't struggle with trauma. Nothing bothers me. I can be completely neutral all the time. Bullshit. And I'll call bullshit any day. I don't really care how long you've been doing it. You're you're a bullshit artist because you're a human being. You cannot. It's why I'm very like about entrepreneurs. You cannot keep going, 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 pushing, pushing, pushing and being perfect all the time before you freaking crash. And when you crash, the human side of you needs some compassion, not get your ass back up and stop being a bitch kind of thing. You need compassion, which means you might need somebody to talk to, or you might need to figure out why you keep hitting that same plateau, right? You can't just keep going. And I think even therapists that are like that, like the perfect persona, it's so detrimental to your brain. When you try to put this persona of perfection up in your area of expertise, anytime you mess up or fail or make a mistake, then you're shaming yourself because, oh my God. I made a mistake. I'm not this perfect insurance agent. I'm not the perfect psychologist. 
well, that's bullshit. There is no such thing. You know what I mean? You get to be human. Let yourself be human. You know, I always say in order to be better, you need to be better at feeling <laughs> and you can't just cut it all off. You can't just, you know, can't theorize everything and not feel anything. So <laughs> anyway. Well, I appreciate your authenticity. Like, absolutely. Because I, I, I follow all your posts and I, I don't comment <laughs> a lot because I don't, I'm the kind of person that I'm like, oh, I, I tend to say dumb things at the worst times. Oh my gosh, that's something I struggle with my whole life. I don't life. think that's true. But oh, it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. We, so we, this is, hopefully nobody in our family is listening to this. So several years ago, um, we lost a relative. I believe he was 16 at, um, from, from muscular dystrophy. Yeah, a very rare form of MD. And his mom got out for the first time, came to a family event. And thank God she thought it was funny because I don't know what I was saying, but we were all, you know, just having fun. And I don't know where it came from, but somebody asked for Teo was, which is my daughter. And I said, oh, I don't know. She's probably on a horse somewhere, but I saw her a few minutes ago. She's not dead. And as soon as I said it, I'm like, and we're talking like a month after her son passed away. And I'm like, why do I say these things? But everybody in the family thought it was funny because thank goodness they know that I don't mean to say insensitive, rude things, sure. but so I have that in the back of my head and I've done that so many times over my life that I'm like, I don't trust my subconscious. Oh. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> See, but by you saying that and then saying, you don't trust yourself, you traumatized yourself and convinced yourself that you say dumb things when in fact you don't say dumb things. You said something as a human being. It was a thing that people say every day about their kids. There was no, for me, that's not insensitive. That's just being human. Well, luckily, know, everybody in the family is like you, and they saw it that same way and just laughed it off as a yeah. Lori thing and moved on. <laughs> like for me, um, people can say whatever they want about like their fathers and stuff. It doesn't traumatize me because I lost mine. Yeah. I don't I don't hold anybody to a standard that they have to tippy toe around me because I've gone through trauma or I've lost a parent. You get to be whoever you are when you're around me. I will never say anything. And, and I will probably find it humorous if it is humorous. Like, do you know what I'm saying? So we're not responsible. My, my probably piece of advice is like, we're not responsible for other people's feelings, right? Mm -hmm. We're not, we can't censor and edit ourselves because we're afraid of how somebody else might take it. You just get to be authentically you and it lands where it lands. And mm -hmm. that's, you weren't being mean or malicious, you know? On purpose. Well, you probably oh. can figure this out without me even saying it out loud. But again, hopefully that's how the family doesn't listen. But I was raised of the walk on eggshells. Oh, sure. So I get it. Yeah, you know, totally. So like mind you, mind your P's and Q's all the time. Yeah. Well, if you say <laughs> this, so-and-so is going to think this. And if you say that, they're going to think oh, that. And it was yeah. so, all the women yeah. in my family were very much eggshells. And now For I'm sure. like finding myself as an adult and like, Nope, not going to do it. And it kind of yeah. shocks everybody because yeah. I broke through that. And that was one of the things I needed there before. And, you know, when I did my, my neuro-linguistic programming, one of the things that we did that with the timeline was, you know, the mm -hmm. first time you felt this and that, and that generational guilt, just feeling that like, it, it honestly, it felt like it just floated off my shoulders was like yeah. the biggest realization that I I could have ever had because I didn't realize that it was generational guilt. Their guilt wasn't my grandmother or great grandmother. It probably went back, sure, way back in our you know family mm -hmm. history. But that is how I was raised: is walk on those, and not even intentionally. Let me just clarify that in case 
yes. for once I do listen no, to this, but <laughs> not intentionally. Yeah. It was oh. just something that was unknowingly taught, you know, yeah. down the, and so I've spent my whole life apologizing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My father-in-law once when I first married my husband, excuse me, he looked at me and said, stop apologizing. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. And he's like, are you really apologizing for apologizing? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I'm so glad I don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. I was just like that. I apologize for everything. I apologize for breathing. I, you know what I mean? I don't do it anymore. I don't apologize for being who I am anymore. But I came from a family that didn't talk about the mental health stuff. So it became like this secret, right? And then you can imagine when I came along and at 18, I was like, well, you know what? I need some help because this happened and I can't do it on my own. And like, and then I was like, and my family's like, oh God. And now I go on podcasts and I talk about it. Or my, you know, like, it's just like, well, it shouldn't be secret. If it, was, if it wasn't kept secret, we would probably all function differently. Absolutely. It wouldn't have taken, I'm 50. It wouldn't have taken me until, you know, whatever to like, be like, I'm not ashamed of what happened to me and who I am. I can talk about it freely, but that's, so everybody has this idea that trauma is this like catastrophic thing that's happened to you, you know, like an explosion, war, an accident, but it's not, it's generational stuff that's handed down and it's not even intentional. And that's considered trauma. You took on a trauma pattern from like five generations ago. And it, and it's become part of you because it is passed down through DNA. It's in your DNA. And so part of the job, especially what I consider my job is like, how do I break that cycle in the DNA pattern? Because I believe in what's called epigenetics and not genetics. I think that things can get passed to you, but you can stop it anytime you want. Epigenetics is the study of the environment around you and how you can use the environment around you to change your DNA. You can change your DNA. You're not stuck with something, you know, just because my grandmother had breast cancer doesn't mean I'm going to have breast cancer. I don't believe in that. I don't take that on. So, um, you know, so I think like if we can figure out those things that keep us stuck, that were passed on, that we didn't necessarily choose or go through ourselves, that's probably a good starting point, you know? And if you don't know, you don't need to know, then you just do some breath work and it comes up anyway. <laughs> so it comes up anyway after a few sessions. You're like, oh, shit. there it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I never need to know anything. It's like, well, let's just do some breath and see what happens, see what comes up. <laughs> so, oh, I love that. Um, you know, for someone that is interested in learning about breath work or any of the other things that we've talked about, um, what was, is the best way for them to start aside from clicking whatever link you sent me that I'm going to put on there to connect with you? Obviously, we want them to do that. But, you know, for me, there was that stigma still and I was nervous mm-hmm. about it. And mm-hmm. as soon as it started clicking, like we were talking about, it started clicking. And then I'm like, oh, that call it woo-woo card however you want, but bring it to me. It's working. So sure, sure. what would be a good first step for someone that's trying to figure out what works for them? and trying to, like you just said, learn about their, their trauma. Cause I didn't realize that generational trauma was a thing. Yeah. It's, it's in your DNA. Like you're literally your parents, whatever both of your parents went through as a child and whatever their parents went through is in your bloodstream. It's literally just passed to you like no choice, right? right? But you can break it. That's why, like we say, like the people who are usually like the outsiders or the black sheep or the generational cycle breakers, cause they'll do the work. You know what I mean? They're they're going outside the box or going against the grain. The whole family's like, what the hell are you doing? And you become the cycle breaker. 
Yeah. So the best place to start, um, and I want to say, it's just like medications, like anything else, all breath work does not work for all people. There are a lot of different breath works out there. And right now it's like the thing it's very trendy. Um, I want to say to everybody that if you have any anxiety, depression, or trauma, Wim Hof is not the place to start, please, (laughs) because you're creating um, a pattern of um, breath work that is too rapid um, and your brain will go into a trauma response. So that's my first thing. Anything that slows your breath down is where I would start. And if you just kind of Google um, breath work to slow my breath rate, you'll find it. 478, you'll find something called square breath. You'll find something that's also called box breath. You can find three point. There's a lot of them. And I think like anything to slow your breath down is the good place to start. Google that. Um, There are some, uh, there are great apps um, for breath work too. And there's like, um, what is it called? There's a meditation app called Insight Timer. They'll have some breath work where it has the number on the screen and it'll tell you how many times to inhale, how many times to exhale. Um, Those are great. And, you know, I'm an open book. You don't need an appointment with me. Just send me a message. Like, you know what? I struggle with this. I need a breath exercise. Okay. Well then I'll shoot you something. And then after that, if you need to talk, we can, you know, but, um, there are a lot of resources out there. My thing is just be careful. If it speeds your breath up too much, it can recreate trauma in your body. It'll dysregulate your nervous system more. And that is something that I never would have known. So that's why you should reach out to Dr. Coyle. (laughs) Because I never would have, I never would have thought of, I mean, obviously until you just said that, I'm like, I don't yeah. know, I, I look like the mind blown emoji because I didn't yeah, there's realize like, that. Some, some work, there's breath work called holotropic breath work, which is put you in this like euphoric state. But if you struggle with um, PTSD and things like that, it can send you into a spiral that's not healthy for you. If you're not used to it, your nervous system is not regulated enough. So we say if you have a dysregulated nervous system, meaning uh, if you have ADHD, your nervous system's dysregulated. If you have depression, your nervous system's dysregulated. You know, any anxiety, OCD, all of those things. You need something to slow your breath down because you need to take back control of your breath. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to take back control of the rate, of the frequency, of the rhythm. All of that will help the brain with its rate, its frequency, and its rhythm. So the brain will mimic whatever the breath is doing. Always remember that. The brain will mimic whatever the breath is doing. If the breath is rapid, the mind will be rapid. If the breath is slow, the mind will slow down. If the breath is erratic, the mind will be erratic. If you're holding your breath, your mind's going to go into survival. So like it will always mimic what your breath is doing. So I feel like my poor brain's always in survival. Dang, now it. <laughs> Since we've been talking, I'm like, I'm catching myself and I'm like, dang it, stop it. Yeah. You know, you. I'll, I'll, I'll teach you a little trick. You can do this too. If you, you can do it when you're doing your podcast. Anybody asks you, you can tell them, you know, I taught it to you or that it's helping. But if you find yourself because your brain's going too fast and you're like doing podcasts or even like um, talking to somebody um, and you find yourself like holding your breath, you can you do this. You put your thumb in, make a fist with your right hand, put it in the center of your sternum, right in the center of your chest, and just start lightly tapping. And you just do it. Don't even have to, don't count, just tap the chest. It's called thymus thumping, and thymus gland is the stress regulator. It also will regulate 
the brain function, like how your brain responds to stress. So the brain thinks that when you hold your breath, that you're in a stress response, which means it's going to release cortisol into your body. And it takes eight to 10 hours for that cortisol dump to get out of your body. So if you're stressed out more than three times a day, you're in a 24 hour stress cycle because the hormones are floating around. Wow. So if you do this, it'll stop the stress cycle. It'll stop the dump and it'll regulate your brain and your nervous system. I do this constantly when I'm out. Cause like sometimes being around too many people, my brain's like on fire and I can't handle huh. it. Um, the OCD, I have OCD brain. So, <clears throat> you know, so just this. Yeah. It's like my go-to. <laughs> Why? Well, it uh, probably will be mine now too. If I ever get yeah. to doing um video podcast, you're going to see me banging my chest. Oh like- yeah. Oh, you're not, <laughs> are, you, are you just audio? You're just audio. Yeah. Yeah. Video. Yeah. It's helpful. You'll see me sometimes on other people's podcasts where I'm like holding my hands a certain way. There's, you know, there's meridian points in your hands and your body energy points where if you press on them, it has an effect on your brain. So it's really simple. So it's based in Chinese medicine. So some of those are just, I'll hold it while I'm doing interviews, you know, because 30 years later, my nerves still get to me. So. Well, I, and I have said this more than once, but I love that there's so many different aspects of holistic medicine, all of it that you study and practice in your own life, not just teach and help other people because yeah. it's the, the well-roundedness is it's just awesome, honestly, because so many, like I said, so many people have one thing and this is their one thing, Yeah, but humans are complex. Brains are complex. It takes more than one thing sometimes, you know, and that's why the, that's why I created that program. I now created a program called thrive. Thrive is thrive just stands for tools for healing, resilience, immunity, vitality, and empowerment. It's like whatever works, we're going to find it, whatever it is. That's just tools. There's a million of them. We're going to find it. Right. So, and it's individualized. You know, I have a, a, a group class that goes on twice a week uh, on zoom, but most of it's individualized, even when it's a group. Okay. Like who has something happening today? What is it? And they tell me, and then the class is geared towards that. And everybody generally goes like, Oh my God, I'm going through the same thing. So do you know? So um, it should be, it should be catered and tailored to the person. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely love that. And thank you so, so much for coming on. This has been awesome. I feel like I could talk to you for like four hours, but I'm not going to take up your whole day. We'll have to do it again. Um, but everybody, I will put all of Dr. Coyle's links and bio in the bio section. I always forget what that's called. Yeah, when I hit like a hundred episodes, I might remember what it's called. Uh, it is a bio. Okay. Um, but I will make sure that I put that there and I hope that everybody, or at least if one person got a lot of value out of this, which I think everybody definitely did, um, because I learned some things and I've been learning about all the different types of, you know, mental health therapy as I go. It's not been super long, but I got my little note cards full here. So (laughs) hopefully everybody else did too. And if anybody is listening to this and like, oh, I missed something, let me know. I'll send you pictures of my note cards. Um, (laughs) But it's a good thing about a podcast, right? You can just pause and rewind it and like, oh, let me write that down. Absolutely. I've been known to screenshot a podcast on the time. So whenever I'm not driving, I can go back to that time and write down my notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done that. I've taken notes and taken the time down. Like remember this point. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're a very good interviewer, by the way. Oh, thank you. 
Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. Very natural. Thank you. Oh, you just made my day. <laughs> well, thank you guys for tuning in and um, I will see you guys next week. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of All About the Benefits. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show. This way you'll get notifications as new episodes become available. Until next time, friends. 